Episode 20 of the Paul George Show welcomes Michelle Benzinger. So I really feel like each woman has a gifting and calling to the world and that she has an answer to a problem that is in the world that only she can answer. Like through God, only she could be the solution for. To heal something, to restore something, to love something, to make beauty for something, you know, to make art, whatever it is, that that woman, you know, has a unique gift and calling. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, we welcome Michelle Benzinger from Transforming Beauty. Also on the show, Organ Donation, a homeless man who became a priest, and how to discern your own gifts. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the well-mannered Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Paul George in studio. Great to be with you today. Have a great show today, and... The world famous Adam Conk. Hello, Conkzilla. Conkzilla, yes, yes. That's that's my name. Yeah, you were saying that you wanted to be like this, like intimidating person. What word did you use? Um, a tough guy. Tough guy. Yeah, so I, I'm not really known for that. Right, being a tough guy, and I just thought if I'm going to have a midlife crisis, right, becoming a tough guy might might be good. But you did say that. By the time you get to midlife crisis, you might be bald. Like you might no, lose your no, hair. No, no, no. Is that def- possible? I definitely will be bald. Okay, so you're you're just I'm owning on you're owning up to it. You're oh, not yeah. in denial about it. Oh yeah. So are you gonna shave it all? Are you gonna just grow the sides long? Like what? Like what's your midlife hair crisis gonna be? Well, okay. I did get some inspiration over the weekend when I saw a man that was bald just, on the top. Okay. But his hair on the sides was like down to his upper back. Okay, like Bozo the Clown. And he had a white beard. Okay. And I thought, mm. I mean, he looked very artistic. Right. He looked like Bozo. He looked more like a Picasso or something. Okay. I don't know what Picasso looked like. Right. Probably but you've like seen that. pictures. But he felt like Picasso. He, f- he had this aura of uh, Picasso. Aura of Picasso-ness. And I thought, you know, maybe. Either that or the complete shave with the goatee and right. maybe maybe a hat. Right. So I'm a real tough guy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Shave it all. Go beard, man. Go like go like timber guy. Like, like. Mountain man. Would you be scared of me? That's tough. Would I be scared of you? Yeah, if I did that. No. Okay. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be scared of you. So anyway, this year, <laughs> uh, Adam, I am going to celebrate a 20th wedding anniversary. <gasps> For real? Yeah, in 2017. Congratulations, Paul. Yep, yep. You know, we have a new president. You know, I, I'm intrigued by our political system, you know, but we're all still alive. Yeah, we're still right? here, and, right? And life moves on, and God is God, is God right? Mm-hmm. And this year, uh, I am going to be married for 20 years. Congrats, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah. So when you got married, did you ever think you would be married for 20 years, or you just said, I'm getting married, and then one year happened, and then two? I mean, did you ever think, what would our life be like at 20 years? Because you're not there yet. How long have you been married? So we've been married 10 years this year. Okay. Wow. So we're also at a little milestone, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I never thought what life would be like at 20, but I could say 20 is much better than one. Like, yeah, it yeah. gets better. Well, and for you in particular, because I think when you got married, you had all these, you know, God was sending you in so many directions. Right. And, and since then, he's taken you on so many paths. And so, I mean, right. how, could you, how could you imagine the life that, that God would have for It's you like a fine years? wine. I guess it gets better with age. <laughs> and, and, and not you know, some people, you know, struggling in their marriage. and But God wants to make it better always, you know, no matter what bumps or roads you're going through. But anyway, are you a gift giver? 
Yeah. For like anniversaries and stuff like that. Yes. I like, yes. Okay. I like, like, I like gifts. I like giving experiences. So for example, we went to New York City. Okay. As part of our anniversary celebration. Gotcha. I like giving that. You like, you like that whole experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not much of a gift giver. But I think I might follow suit. Check, check this out. So this husband says husband to give uh, on his 20th anniversary. So this is like connection you. with me. Yeah. yeah. He's going to give um, his wife a kidney. Wow. Yeah. Does she need a kidney? <laughs> she needs a kidney. And he's going to give her his kidney. Wow. For their 20th anniversary. <laughs> Beat that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Honey, you want a diamond ring? Uh, or a kidney. <laughs> I'll go with the kidney. Well, this is amazing because I mean, aren't aren't there? A, isn't there a certain need for compatibility physically? Yeah. Like you can't just give anybody a kidney. Yeah, yeah. Any, so any matches or whatever. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I feel uh, yeah, I feel motivated to to now, up, I don't, up the ante on my. So gifts. I was thinking, do you, do you wrap it? Like what? How do you give this gift? <laughs> you know, like, is, there, is there like a kidney? Maybe like a gift card or like certificate. Kidney gift card. Yeah. <laughs> I personally would love to wrap the kidney in a box. Yeah. You know? I'm not surprised. That sounds like you. Right. You put it on ice. <laughs> yeah. So it stays fresh and good. Maybe Run get, to the hospital. Maybe get a picture with it. Do the surgery. But anyway, thinking about giving an organ to anyone is like a brave task. Absolutely. Like to take your whatever out and give it to someone yeah, and I've That's heard I've heard this from people that have given like a kidney or whatever. Is right. that, you know, you you don't really you don't really think about it, but you literally are like taking a piece of yourself right. out. It's a really unnatural. Right. Like every instinct in you is telling you not to do it, but you love the person or you want to give the gift of life. Right. So really, it's heroic. It is, which makes it interesting that we can live without certain things. Yeah, <laughs> that God put in us. I don't I don't know. It's like yeah, I only need one kidney, but God gave me two, just in case, man. You know, or whatever. Just in case. Yeah, God, God's design. You have two eyes for that reason. I mean, you see better with two, but just in case you lose one, you still got one. Yeah, but you can't donate your eye Actually, while you're living? Well, you could, but I mean, it's, maybe, not, it's not recommended. A kidney's not, not such a big deal. An eye would be a, a, a bad idea. Maybe after your death. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're, I am an organ donor. Organ, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, me too. It's on my license. Yeah, much respect for that, and the church has always supported that and encouraged that, because um, you literally give the gift of life. Your death mm-hmm. can bring about life for a lot of people. Yeah, I had a good friend pass away in a wreck, and they donated all her organs, and it was so sad, the whole thing, but but the gift of of what she gave you know, to, to the people who were needing to keep living, you know, was just awesome, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, to be living and to give an organ that's that's like yeah kind of kind of crazy uh anyway i was reading this fascinating story adam um of the homeless in the city of montreal canada and so there's this homeless guy uh who's addicted to alcohol and drugs on the streets completely totally abandoned and homeless living on the streets and now is a catholic priest really yeah so he went from total uh homelessness and addiction uh, and now he's a priest. So Claude Perry was impoverished and homeless, living on the streets of Montreal, Canada. He struggled with addiction to both drugs and alcohol, with a future, a future so bleak he considered ending his own life. 
Luckily, he did not end his life, however, and today he is a priest who dedicates his time to serving the physical and spiritual needs of those trapped in poverty, prison, and prostitution. Wow. So he, so somehow, so someone ministers to him on the street. He comes into the faith, um, gets back on his feet, discerns priesthood, goes to the seminary, and now uh, he said for the whole month of Advent, uh, he slept with the homeless on the street, the Catholic priest. Dang. That's yeah. incredible. I'd imagine the the vision that he has of these homeless people is just so effective. You know, he's able to actually see what their needs really are, which for me that, that that's part of the challenge for me. And I find that when I get to know more homeless people, yeah, it's easier. But when I've not done that in a while or haven't, you know, I forget what they really need and the culture says they need one thing, but in reality they, they need something else. They need God, you know. Absolutely. I love this quote that he says. He says, the street brought me to the church, and the church in the end brought me back to the street. Wow. Yeah. That should be every one of us, right? Yeah. He says, this past December, as a sign of his closeness and solidarity with the homeless, Father Parody decided to sleep on the street for the whole month to care for the homeless people there with solidarity and charity. I, I love that. Look, I'm not saying that you and I need to go sleep on the streets but we certainly, as a Christian, God has put us in a certain platform or place or neighborhood or situation where we can bring Christ to that area. He was on the streets as a homeless, and he's saying, I'm not going to leave that. I'm going to take the ministry of Christ, and I'm going to go back to it and live in solidarity with those people. That's where Christ is calling me to serve. And certainly we need to live and be in solidarity with, with all our brothers and sisters around the world, including the homeless, and anything that we can do and give and help with is great but i love the fact that that he was moved in mission back to the place where he it all started for him right yeah and this reminds me actually of you know we just in the month of january so many pro-life marches and things going on but i remember roe v wade right yeah the roe i don't remember her real name do you remember her no that's her fake name but yeah Anyways, she is now a full-time pro-life activist. You know, it's crazy, huh? And, and I hear that story often of like, right. look, I not only did I have an abortion or support, like I worked for the abortion industry or I right. promoted it, and then God found me, and so I went back, and now I'm on the front lines um, because only them they, they have a certain role to play that only they can play because of their experience. Yeah, it reminds me of Saul, who became Paul, who mm -hmm. persecuted Christians, and and we see in Scripture he's persecuting Christians, has this conversion. And then goes back and begins to minister and bring Christ to the people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and this is what God does in our life. And so he he reroutes us back into serving and bringing His love to the people around us. And and wherever you are, wherever your situation, whatever your platform is, wherever you work and live in your neighborhood, that's where Christ wants to use you to make a difference in the people around you. And I think it's important for us not to sit back as Christians and just say, oh, the church will do everything or someone else will do it. We play an active role in making a difference in the world. Amen, Paul. That's a great story, man. Thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, so I'm thinking of your hair. <laughs> I would shave it all when it starts falling off. That's, that's but go beard, happen. plaid shirt, <laughs> axe in your hand. Tough guy. Tough guy. Adam Conk. Grizzly Adam. Grizzly Adam. Excited for our guest today. We'll be right back. Paul Giorgio.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George in studio. Have Michelle Benzinger as our guest today. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm trying to keep Adam in check over here, but uh, it's going great. Good luck, Paul. Yeah. Adam's usually quiet during the interview segment. So anyway, Michelle, you're in Pensacola, Florida. You've lived all over the place. You and your husband, your family uh, have been missionaries uh, for a long, long time, but uh, we can get into into so much, um, and, and we will. But thanks for coming on the show today, taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You got six kids. Uh, you got a lot going on. But within the past couple of years, God's really done some some really cool and unique things. Uh, and you launched uh, this ministry and website called transformingbeauty.org. Um, what what is transforming beauty? If you can kind of tell us what that is. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> what is transforming beauty? No, I guess transforming beauty just was birthed out of um, just a stirring that I really felt like God had for me to um, really display His beauty hmm. in people and the poor, but in women, hmm. and to realize that um, each woman has a unique beauty to them, you know, and that sometimes has to be cultivated, um, you know, alongside other women to see, you know, um, what their unique beauty and gift is to the world. Um, I really feel like, you know, like um, Pope Francis and John Paul II say, you know, the women, there's a feminine genius to women, and that they, women are life bearers. They bring life, and they bring life through beauty, which, like, true beauty is displaying God's glory through them, hmm. you know? Right. And, um, yeah. So That's awesome. That is, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. It's needed. It's transformingbeauty.org. Of course, you know, I'm all about it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a woman, but we have four in our house, my son Jacob and I, <laughs> you know, and so we know, um, you know, you know, the, this feminine genius, this feminine beauty, and, and uh, what— what kind of led you to this point? Because it wasn't an overnight thing that God led you to this, this ministry of ministering to women and this whole idea of transforming beauty. Give us a little bit of your backstory that, that led you to this point of sort of jumping off the cliff with this. Sure. Um, it happened about four years ago, about three or four years ago. Um, I was actually scheduled to go on an adoption retreat. We have two children that we adopted from Haiti, and we brought home um, close to six years ago. Hmm. And I was scheduled to go on to an adoption retreat, and I literally got snowed in. And um, I don't know if you know, but a mother of a lot of kids and was expecting to go away for the weekend, and then she gets snowed in as a very unhappy mother. Yeah, angry you know, bear. I was, you know, yeah. yeah, like I was ready to um, just be. And um, so Chris, my wife's husband, said, why don't you just take some time by yourself, you know, here, you know, I'll take the kids away and you just pray. And so that night I was praying and God just started stirring this whole image and vision of transforming beauty. But there was something powerful about, um, I guess it started with our daughter that we adopted from Haiti, women in third world, Mm. um, and women linking them up with women in the Western world, Mm. like almost a bridge between them, you know, and then when you link those two up, there's almost like joint restoration Mm. that women teach each other other things. But God is really showing me for um, that to even happen, women in the Western world had to become fully alive. And I think a lot of us um, are walking around just kind of numb. 
Yeah. You know, we are not people that are fully alive. Yeah. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're just not, yeah, we're not people fully alive and we're just kind of going through the motions. And so, and there's something about when a woman becomes fully alive, I guess, because we're supposed to be the heart, you know, the family, the heart of our um, churches, the heart of our culture, the heart of our cities, whatever. But if a woman isn't fully alive, the heart pumps blood to the rest of the body. Hmm. So if she is not alive and being that heart, the rest of the body will not come into its fullness either. And so just that whole image God gave it me, just, okay, let's lead women through a process of becoming fully alive, and let's gather women. You know, there's something powerful when women come together, and they gather, you know, um, all together. So that's kind of started the stirring, you know, of where it came out, um, a lot from our daughter, but a lot from just that true desire to want to see women and families become, you know, fully alive. Yeah, so so as you, in your own journey, and you enter into your vocation, of course, when you and Chris got married— you weren't expecting to adopt, and then all of a sudden you went from four kids to six kids. Um, and, you know, you have these two kids from Haiti, one beautiful young woman. So all this began to come together, not only for your own life, but for, for your daughter's life of, like, what does it mean for a woman to be fully alive? So let me ask you that question because I'm wondering, and, and I'm not a woman, so I know the women listening are wondering. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know that. I'm not a woman. Uh, yeah, I want to clear that up. Uh, what does it mean for a woman to be fully alive? Cause I, I just think that's a brilliant statement. Um, I think it's one to first and foremost is, you know, and we're always going back to this to know who she is, you know, that, you know, who she is and know whose she is, you know, that we are the beloved and that we belong to the father. So your identity, you know, your identity, hmm. you know, and I think all of us, um, either we go through identity crisis or we go through stolen identity, you know, like identity theft, where mm. we feel like, you know, Satan has totally hijacked our identity, or we feel like that um, we have to be something that we're not, you know? So really realizing who you are and who you are in that, um, and really resting in that, mm. you know, that our identity comes from being um, loved by God, being trusted by God that we're his daughter, and that we don't have to earn that identity, or we don't have to earn love, you know, um, I think it's, um, really hard for all of us to realize, okay, I'm enough, you know, just Gosh. by being his daughter. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I have the statement, know? even in our own life, cause obviously you're talking to women, but everyone needs to know their identity, men and women. And I have the statement that, you know, if, if we don't allow God to define us, someone or something else will, and I've never heard it in the way that you put it, this idea of identity theft. Like, if we're not receiving our identity from God, we're going to take it from something else. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, every time. And I think, yeah, and for me, that was a hard concept to figure out, because my relationship with my earthly father is really strained. Mm-hmm. And he and my mom got divorced, you know, actually the same year as my husband and I were getting married. Mm. So for me, there was just a lot of um, abandonment issues, Mm. you know, like um, thinking, okay, you know, is the father going to leave me, Mm. you know, Um, you know, and then carrying those issues over into marriage, realizing I always used to laugh our first couple of years of marriage. I would tell Chris, you could tell me that you love me, but if you tell me you'll never leave me, that almost means more to me. And it sounds like <laughs> almost like a little kid, yeah. you know? But that's you know? true, right? And it is. It's totally true. 
Um, it was really interesting. Um, I happened to be with uh, Father Dave Pavanka the day that Father Mike Scanlon passed away, and he was my spiritual director at Steubenville my last year of school and did our marriage prep for my husband and I and married us. Hmm. And I remember being in um, marriage prep with him, and he was doing like one-on-one just he and I. Chris wasn't in the room, and me just breaking down and saying, oh my gosh, what if I can't do this? Hmm. What if he leaves me? What And you know, and Father Mike said gently, you know, he grabs my face and he said, your husband is not your father and the mm. father is always faithful mm. and he will always be there. Wow. You know, well, it was just this powerful moment, you know, like, okay, all right. You know, um, a spiritual father stepping in to be, you know, fathering me, but like those epiphany moments thinking, okay, the heavenly father will never leave me. He will never leave me, you know? Yeah, so, speaking um, a, a powerful moment of truth and into a place in your heart that was broken, and I think that's what, oh, you're, yeah. what you're saying with with identity, like where where people women become fully alive is is it starts with knowing their identity, hearing God's words, the Father's words to them personally of who they are. Oh, absolutely, and like you said, allowing ourselves to be defined by that mm-hmm. and not by other things. And so, then after yeah. I... Oh, go ahead, Paul. No, 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 go. I want to hear what's next. And I think after identity is realizing um, what your unique gifts and callings are. Hmm. I think it's easy, um, I know, like, in our Catholic world sometimes to mix up vocation and giftings and callings, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, our giftings and calling, our vocation, I like to call it, is how the Lord has chosen us to grow in holiness and grow in virtue, you know? But I like to say our giftings or calling are how we display God's glory through, how God displays his glory through us, hmm. you know? Gotcha. Um, like how he displays, like, his glory and um, his character and his power as creator through us. So I really feel like each woman has a gifting and calling to the world and that she has an answer to a problem that is in the world that hmm. only she can answer, you hmm. know? that only she can be the solution, like through God, only she could be the solution for, you know, to heal something, to restore something, to love something, to make beauty for something, you know, to make art, whatever it is that that woman, you know, has a unique gift and calling. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And I I don't want to get more into this. So I'm talking to Michelle Benzinger uh, with transformingbeauty.org launch this beautiful website uh you can go to it and and it's a work in progress as you launch this ministry and you're you're helping women to become fully alive and send them out into mission uh fully equipped i want to talk more too about this this other website you guys are launching um but this is great because our identity uh is everything but if we just launch into mission right uh and not know our identity we get really really confused And so uh, when we come back, Michelle, I want you to break that open for us. Sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. All right. It's Paul George Show. Be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George in studio. Have Michelle Benzinger, Pensacola, Florida. Her and her husband, Chris, work down there in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. Michelle runs this ministry called Transforming Beauty. Michelle, we were in the middle of this conversation, and I have to ask you, okay, so if someone's trying to figure out their identity, right, um, uh, and, and know their identity in God, how do they do that? Like, do, does it start with prayer? Like, like, where does one go to find their, their true identity? Um, yeah, I think it starts with prayer, first and foremost. You know, um, however you know how to pray, um, start small. You know, if it's you, um, if you're, you know, you're Catholic, sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you know, for 10 minutes. Say, Lord, just reveal to me who I am in you, you know. Or um, if you are more Scripture-based, um, you know, opening up to, like, God's promises in, like, Psalms or, like, mm. the book of Isaiah are ones that I love. Gotcha. Um, it's really interesting. Our youngest is going to First Communion prep, you know, um, right now, and she's really sassy and funny and everything, and just watching her figure out, like, what the Eucharist is. And she had, a, like, this huge moment a couple weeks ago. We were discussing the Eucharist, and she said, so that's the real presence. And then we're like, yeah, this is the real presence of Jesus. This is really Jesus. And so, and she goes, wow. She said, so when I take the real Jesus, then I become the real me. Hmm. And me. Wow. And I was like, girl, that was good. Yeah. You know, like, shoot, well, you know, and for her, it's so simple. You know, like, the children get these wonders and mysteries, like, when we make it so difficult. But yeah, like, may the real presence in him, you know, reveal to us the real uh, presence in us, hmm. you know, and who we are. I, I so, love that statement. Um, so, you know, the real presence in him helps me to become fully who I supposed to be. So his words exactly. defines our identity and in prayer, um, you know, we're, we're convinced of that even in our own brokenness and woundedness over and over. God reminds us of who we are. And then from there we're, we're sent out you know, and you talked about this, having specific gifts, but here's the kickback that I get from people, and particularly a lot of times in conversations with my wife or daughters or other women is, I don't feel like I have much to offer. You know, like, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom or, you know, I'm, yeah. you know I, I'm work, I'm a teacher, it's simple. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big speaker. I don't have much to offer. And I think what you're saying is the opposite of that. Like, everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to offer. And it was interesting when I was trying to teach this concept to other women, the Lord gave me a really interesting image. He gave me uh, an image of a jigsaw puzzle, mm -hmm. you know, with a lot of pieces. And he said to me, he said, you know, like some of the pieces that are on the corners seem a little bit more important or a little more brighter than the others. But he said, if one puzzle piece is missing, then the whole picture is incomplete. Like you notice in a jigsaw puzzle, if even one little piece is missing, right. it's incomplete. You know, so that is, um, and the full jigsaw puzzle completed is like God's glory fully displayed, you know? Right. So each of these women are like a little jigsaw piece, hmm. and each part or each gift has a significant part, you know, in the full picture of God. And if one piece is missing, God's glory won't be fully displayed, yeah. you know, to other people. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, when people think about, you know, gifts and stuff, they think, well, I can't do anything big, you know, I don't. I'm not a speaker, or I don't write, or whatever. And somebody can be have a simple thing as, you know, being hospitable, you know, being nurturing yeah. and loving, and just using 
their gifts to to serve someone right in the everyday moments of their lives. Oh yeah. And I think we realize, and this is the other big thing, you know, like women figuring out what their gifts are, that is not done just, yes, you know, we need to figure out and have our prayer time, figure out who we are identity wise, but that's also done, um, not just personally, but communal. You know, I think this is the part where community comes in, okay. where sisterhood comes in. Right. Um, you know, I started gathering a, a small group of women, you know, to really help them figure out their giftings and callings. And part of the process that we do is we basically prophetically um, speak over the woman who she is. I think it's so easy in our culture, all of us, to forget who we are. Mm-hmm. And we need someone to f- tell us. Right. who we are, yeah. speak that over us, to remind us who we are again, and to remind us, wh- and to tell us who, what they see in us, you know, to call those gifts forth, yeah. you know, like God started first and foremost as a creator, but he called creation forth by speaking it out, and sometimes we need other people in our life to speak out who we are, and then what our gifts and our callings are, you know, and what God is doing in our life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I know you're you guys are launching this offshoot of Transforming Beauty called GreenhouseSisterhood.com. Is is that the vision of Greenhouse Sisterhood? It is. Um, when we were, um, right before we moved down to Pensacola, Florida, but before that we lived at Crest, an amazing camp run by um, Life Teen, which we loved. And we were there for 10 years. And um, when God called us out, you know, it was, like, God, you can't possibly be calling us out of here. But we really felt like God was calling us out of um, living up at Covecrest and moving to Pensacola, Florida. And God had a different season for us in mind. But in that, right before we were leaving Covecrest, I kept on seeing greenhouses everywhere, you know. And then God really just put that on my heart. And then that's why I started researching them. This is how weird I am. I'm just weird. <laughs> and, um, and so... But greenhouses are a safe environment for plants to be um, cultivated until they're ready to go into harsher environments or real environments. And I just love that whole image of a greenhouse where it's safe and natural light. I'm a big light girl because I like all things artsy, you know, and um, where it's just very warm and nurturing. Um, so a small group of women coming together to really um, tell each other their stories hmm. and then to really call forth their giftings and callings. You know, um, to root them in their identities, like what we were just talking about then, and to cultivate their gifts, and then to let them bloom and launch them out, like to, you know, let them go free. Um, yeah, yeah, so... I love that. And this is sort ahead. of the, uh, you know, the opposite of what the culture does, I think, to the human heart and mind, where people constantly are comparing themselves to each other, and f- thinking that you know, I'll never be amount to anything because of so-and-so and such-and-such. And And what you're saying and doing is, no, we need to come together in human relationships and actually affirm one another and really empower each other prophetically to to own their gifts and be okay with it. Oh, yep. That is it, absolutely. And I think it's something powerful for all of us, but I think it's something powerful when you see other women champion other women Mm. and other women celebrating other women instead of women being, you know, like petty or the quote-unquote mean girls. There's something powerful about um, women relationships when um, they bring forth life, when they champion one another, when they celebrate one another. 
when they operate out of like, um, I like to call it like a spirit of abundance instead of a fear of scarcity, you know, um, like there's not enough, you know, if I need to mark my territory, you know? Um, yeah, I love the image of when Mary pregnant going to visit Elizabeth who's pregnant and like, there's no animosity. There's nothing. It's like, yeah, just come on in. Like we're sisters and we're going to support and, and, and be for each other. And I love that image of that. And as you're talking, that image from scripture is just really popping out to me because I think that's a model for sisterhood right oh, there. Absolutely. And that's funny that you say that because I teach on that a lot, you know, that at the visitation, I teach on that image. And, and Elizabeth called out to Mary what the Holy Spirit was doing in her life. She called out who she was, like, who is this, the Mary, the mother of my Lord? Hmm. Like, she didn't know. Like, the Holy Spirit told her. She called out what the Holy Spirit was doing that Mary, the mother of my Lord, and you are pregnant with child, you know? So she called out her identity, and she called out how the Holy Spirit is moving through her. And and Elizabeth didn't say, oh my gosh, I'm totally gypped. I'm only going to be John the Baptist's mom, and she gets to be Jesus's mom? No. <laughs> they were, like, completely celebrating both of their roles and yeah. their faithfulness to God's promises. You know, both God was faithful to both of them, you know? Absolutely. Um, his promises were completely faithful. That's that's so good. So I'm talking to Michelle Benzinger, transformingbeauty.org and greenhousesisterhood.com. I was trying to think of the male version of Greenhouse Sisterhood. It's sort of like, I don't know, stinky locker room for men.com. Do, <laughs> do you like do you like that? Well, it's funny because Chris and I were talking about the difference between when women gather and men gather. And he's like, honey, we would never gather like in a beach house or whatever. We have to go camping or hiking. He said, men need to be active. They can't just sit there and talk, you know, like, yeah, he's like, uh, we need to be doing something while we share, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't really have a good counterpart to that. Okay. You know? We'll, we'll we think about that. Out. But one of the yeah, uh, other cool that. things, uh, you know, I interviewed, uh, sister Miriam, who's a great, good friend of, of, um, both of ours and you guys are launching a podcast soon called abiding abiding together i'm excited about that tell me a little bit about the podcast yeah i got to know sister miriam and um, another good friend of ours heather kim i've known since college Mm -hmm. but we have done a couple of things women's ministry together um and we really started doing life together you know where we would talk the three of us together um at least once a month and really share deeply like what's going on in our life and um basically like the kind of what we're talking about, like greenhouse, greenhouse process, you know, really call out what God is doing in our life for one another. And um, so then out of that, an image, I mean, a podcast was born. Um, we're basically, it's the three of us sharing how we're doing life together. That's and great. We just talk like, yeah, it's like three girlfriends talking. Um, I love it. Over coffee. Total women yeah, podcast. You know, I will promote it. Seriously. I probably won't, I probably won't you know, listen to it often, but I'll definitely promote it because I think this is Oh, great. George, you should totally listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it will totally give you tips for four women, you know. <laughs> well, that's and true. So, oh, I have a, a yeah. house, house yeah. full of ladies. But, um, well, anyway, yeah, so Michelle, this is good. great. This is awesome. So it's transformingbeauty.org, greenhousesisterhood.com, and the podcast Abiding Together. Michelle, thanks so much for taking the time. We'll have to do this again. Thanks so much for having me, Paul George. All right, tell Chris I said hi and have a great day. God I will. bless you. All right, take care. Bye bye.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Great interview with Michelle Benzinger from transformingbeauty.org. Adam, you have been quiet over there, but you did speak up for a second. Yeah, I had to stand up to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The tough guy. The tough guy. I feel I feel transformed. With you <laughs> I don't feel beautiful, but <laughs> Well, when you grow your beard and shave your head and you become this tough guy, then I'll be beautiful. You'll be yeah, in a masculine I'm way. So beautiful. Yeah, in a masculine way. So, so what was your takeaway from that interview? What I learned. Well, I, first, for I learned from the show, mm-hmm. is that you're a gift giver. I like to give experiences. Yeah, you like to give the gift of experience. Mm-hmm. And what else I learned is that you can give, not you, but it's you're able. We are able to give the gift of a kidney. That's possible. That is possible. You shouldn't give it a nice chest like you wanted to, though. I, don't, I just think that would be so cool. Let a medical like, professional you, handle that. You were alive, were able to donate one of your organs, and like you brought it to the person wrapped in an ice chest. They open it up, and there lies a kidney. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm sick, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> well, what'd you learn? What'd you What'd you learn? Well, I learned that even if you're a parent of a bunch of kids, if you think God's calling you something, you can actually go do it. Yeah, that's what I learned from Benzinger today. Yeah, so they have four kids, and they adopt two from Haiti after the the massive earthquake there. Wow! And uh, a little a little boy named David, David, and a young teenage girl, Algine, who's now a senior in high school. So they drastic change in their life, but they just stepped in what God was calling them to, and so it's it's been beautiful to see their journey. But yeah, I, I love seeing stories like that where, where people are faithful. Mm-hmm. So anyway. How about those six-pack of questions that I know you're dying to give me today? Question. All right, question number one. She talked about being snowed in. She was going to yeah. a mission or something. She couldn't make it because she was snowed in. Have you ever been snowed in? Um, I, I've snowed a couple of times. So I went on a trip skiing, and I got s- snowed in. But over there? Over there. Um, in, in Atlanta, it snowed when I lived there. Uh, it didn't didn't snow often, but a couple times a year it would, and I get snowed in. What's it like? I mean, I have no concept of that. I'm you just can't go anywhere. Louisiana. It's kind of like a hurricane. You okay. just don't go anywhere. You Hopefully you have food and water in your house, and you just sit around and wait really? for it to melt so you can drive out and wow. do something. Interesting. So, yeah. But snowed in, it's just it's, it's a pain. Uh, and particularly if you're flying, you know, traveling somewhere where the – airports are shut down because then there's nothing literally you can do you know so it's like not only you're shut down in your house but then you can't go on your trip which for her got canceled bummer yeah bummer all right question number two so she mentioned that part of women women being fully alive means resting in their identity Mm -hmm. and knowing they don't have to earn that identity so what does it mean to say a man is fully alive, like what does that mean to you? That's the longest question you've ever asked. It's it's a thoughtful one. Well, I would agree to her. One, uh, I, I would agree with two things. It's just kind of said differently. I think for us as men, like knowing our identity as men, truly who we are, that we're not defined by other things, by our success, by our work, by all these things, but we're really defined by who we are in God's eyes, right? As a man, but and I, th- but I do think that men come alive when they're really when they sacrifice and they're sent on mission. And I think a lot of men often don't find that first sacrifice and mission within their vocation. When they learn to really serve and sacrifice in that, they become fully alive. Like they're, they know that this is what I was created for, whether a priest or a husband, whatever. 
and, and then sent out into the world to do something men love to do, right? Mm-hmm. And to make things happen. And I think for all of us, we have to find ways that we can impact the world. And I think those those things right there, when men are doing that, I think they're fully alive. Awesome. Well, that leads to my third question. Oh, does it? Is so, it is it as long as your second? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so you mentioned something when she talked about that of having to know your identity first, because if you do mission without that identity, you get burned out. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced that mission burnout? You know, I, I've tried to work hard at in my prayer life and spiritual direction. I think there's been times in my life where over the past 20 something years where I've gotten tired. Um, and I could probably point to the fact where, yeah, my, my life with Christ is suffering my prayer life. You know, I'm not plugged in as much. I'm doing more than I'm being. And I think the opposite needs to have, we need to be with God more than we do. And then being leads us to doing. But I think a lot of times people get involved in ministry and ministry work and they burn out quick uh, because they don't have that relationship with Christ, that root of prayer and sacramental life. And so they're not plugged in. And so they burn out. I see it all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. So we're not, we're not humanitarian workers. We're, 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 we're people who sent on mission with Christ. And so um, that's a lifelong mission. You know, and so we have to be plugged in. Yeah. All right. Number four. She said that the woman is the heart of the home. What has been your experience of that in your own home? Woman is the heart of the home. I, I like that imagery. I've never really thought about it. I think I've heard it, mm-hmm. but I don't think about it much. But when she was saying it, I did think about it. And you wrote it down, apparently. And what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, but I, I do like that image. You know, the heart. You know, I think a woman is is a feeler, Is is sort of this you know, nester, you know, you probably know in your own home, like everything, you know, for, for people to feel safe and home. And, uh, and so I think the heart does that, you know, this, this feeling thing. And I, I don't, if there was an organ, you know, I don't know what the guy is, is the brain, or I wouldn't even say that because my wife's the brain and the heart, you know, (laughs) um, I don't know. Maybe the the guy's the doer. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I like I like that imagery. I think that's good. Awesome. You know, and, and Mary is the heart of, of, you know, I love the image that in Advent, in the first Advent, Jesus' heartbeat was Mary's heartbeat. Mm. Jesus went everywhere Mary went. He was close to her heart. And I think that image is in our home. You know? Cool. Yeah. Numero five. Oh. Do you know what five is in Spanish since you sa- keep saying numero? <laughs> Cinco. But it's not as fun to actually say the right word. What about four? Uh, cuatro. Cuatro. What about my name in Spanish? Pablo. <laughs> Pablo. Pablo Jorge. Pablo Jorge. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a good name, Spanish name. So, did you take Spanish? I did actually. I took way more Spanish than I can speak. Like it's a it's a total embarrassment. Like, High school and college. Like you have four like years of Spanish or yeah I'm, yeah I have two semesters in college and two years in high school and it's pathetic yeah they high school languages Spanish. are a joke though yeah I mean I don't know anyone who leaves high school taking <laughs> I got this languages like I'm fluent <laughs> I'm ready for a trip you know and college honestly college language is like I just need to pass this thing so unless it's like your major <laughs> yeah. like your you know this is like your thing you're gonna do you just don't learn it see see. Number five. Yeah. Um, so she 
mentioned with part of the greenhouse ministry ideas to hear the stories of women. Mm-hmm. What do you love about hearing people's stories? Because I've seen that you you love to hear people's stories. What, what do you love about? I that? do, and I think that's kind of part of the sh- what's becoming more a part of the show. Mm. I love highlighting the gifts of people and people's stories, and I think we need to do that more in our world where we live so, sort of selfishly and we want to keep everything to ourselves, and we want people to notice us and we want to be the best. I think we're the best when we help people to become their best and highlight that. And I love getting to know stories, not only what people are doing, but I love the backstory in it because like if you look at some of the interviews of getting to know people, they're, they're almost becoming saints, you know, like the, the sacrifices and the decisions that they're making that no one knows about. That's what I love learning about. And, and, mm-hmm. and the reason is, is it challenges me to become a better person, you know, for, and particularly with, with Christmas shell in this interview of, of, you know, all of a sudden she starts talking about adopting kids and you're like, wait, what, you know, and like <laughs> you're, you're challenged by their sacrifice and what they're doing and what they've done. I love that about people's stories and, and I love telling those stories to people mm. because I think it helps us all to become better. We shouldn't compare ourselves to these stories, but we should use other people's stories to say, you know what, maybe God's challenging me to do something better or different yeah. in my own life. Very good. All right, number six, final question. She talked about calling out people's gifts, like to help them know themselves, right? Yeah. So who gave you the best advice to get to know your own gifts? For the church when you were growing up? Well, for the church? Yeah, like to get to know, look, this is where I fit in. These are my gifts and talents for the church. I, I'm still trying to figure that out, yeah. honestly. I, When I was in college, I took an aptitude test with this woman named Ursula. It was the first time in my life, I, I, 19 can year I, old. Can I just pause and appreciate that sentence for, Ursula? for a second? No, I took an aptitude test with this woman named Ursula. Yeah. It's a great, great sentence. It's a perfect sentence. It's the first time in my life that I actually thought, okay, what are what are gifts? Really? Yeah, I n- never really thought about it. You know, what am I supposed to major in and do and all this stuff? What you was know? the result? Like a fireman or something? It, it's pretty much what I'm doing, and I didn't <laughs> even know. You know, it was, I don't know. I'll tell you the results on another show. We'll reveal the aptitude tests from the big review. Nineteen. Let me didn't have any like like she mentioned. Father Michael Scanlon was big to her, or did you have any priests like that, or anybody that kind of open the door to get to know your gifts? I started seeing people who were speakers and, and lay ministers and I began to think, you know, I, I, I think that I might be called to that, but I don't mm-hmm. know how it's going to translate, you know? So um, I think I just started figuring out my gifts as I kind of said yes to God. You know, it wasn't like you wake up when you was like, this is exactly who I am and what I do. You kind of just say yes to one thing over and over. And, and if you're not good at it, it's okay just to walk away from it. But if you are, just to be humble and say, God, just use this, you know, you want me to speak, I'll do it. But if not, I don't really care. I just want to do what you want. And I think for us, a lot of times we can hide away from our gifts, but I think we should step into them. And then also we should admit when we're not good at something, just walk away from it and just allow God to to use us. So I think each thing, God's just like, takes us you know, over and over. I never thought I would do radio, and here I am with you. Here you are. Radio and end up. You know? Radio magic. <laughs> radio magic with Adam. Magically Kong. delicious. Magically delicious. All in Spanish. So you can get the show, if you missed it, on podcast, paulgeorge.la, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Great to be with you today, and thanks to Michelle Benzinger. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.